You're listening to Japanese with Friends. Brought to you by Risu Press and Japan Switch. This is Colton with Japanese with Friends、uh, and Risu Press. And today we're actually talking to Benjamin Carpi,、uh, the other half of Risu Press, about learning Japanese, living in Japan as a foreigner, and、uh, basically what brought him to Tokyo to、uh, be a surfer, creative designer, and Japanese educator, and English educator. Uh, maybe, Benji, if you could give everyone just a quick、uh, self intro and kind of background to yourself, that'd be great. All right. Yeah, I know that we're on a bit of a time limit, so <laughs> I'll try and take my usual long stories and make it a lot shorter. <laughs> I'm originally from Philly,、uh, grew up by the coast in Jersey as well.、Um, went to school for illustration and design, mostly illustration. And when I graduated, College,、um, it was made abundantly clear to all of us that like the job market was not booming at all, and I wasn't ready to be a full on adult. So instead, I hustled and got into the JET program and requested that I, I didn't care where they put me as long as it was by the sea. And I thought that, you know,、um, uh, uh, statistically, the likelihood of me being. You know, in a, in a town, at least driving distance from the sea in an island country is pretty good. And so they granted my request and sent me to the middle of the country in、uh, the mountains of Nagano, about three, three and a half to four hour drive to the closest coast. So that、What、was an asshole move. Seriously,、uh, of all the people that you're like the one person in the entire program probably is like, I want to be by the water. And they're like, no, mountains. Right. Yeah. I, I, I was almost kind of like, was that intentional? Like, should、yes. I drop、yeah. it out? Oh, absolutely. You gotta think to yourself, like, there's a group of people sitting in a room, like, sorting applications, like, keeping themselves entertained. Every, every request that comes through, it's just like a hard no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly what I figured. Um, so, um, so I ended up going to this really, really, really small mountain town of a population of 4,000 people, and、hey, what was、uh, it called? it's called, uh, Nakagawa Mura, Nakagawa Village, so so Middle、wow. River Village, <laughs> um, and it wasn't my first time in the country. I had traveled a bunch too there, but、um, it was a ride, and I was pretty reluctant for the first six months. Within the time、uh, dur- during which time I actually like broke my arm snowboarding, so I couldn't even do any of that.、Uh, it was a br- it was a bad break.、Um, <clears throat> But at some point within the first three months, I would say I was teaching a, uh, uh, I was an ALT, so an assistant language teacher. And during uh, uh, weekday nights, like once or twice a week, I would teach an adult class just as a volunteer. And an older gentleman whose English was really, really good asked me, So you're studying Japanese, right? And I, I said, Yes. And I wasn't. And that was the point where I was like, I was telling everybody before I came that I was going to learn Japanese. I just opened my big mouth, and so it's time to put my money where that big mouth is. And,、um, and so that was the beginning of a long、uh, and very, very interesting journey.、Um, and so I had a lot of free time、um, because the school that I was working at, people were good, but they didn't really know how to, you know, sort of utilize. And a native English speaker, the way somebody in Tokyo might.、Mm-hmm. And so I would have upwards of three, four hours a day that were just free. And so 
instead of making myself useful and taking the initiative and being a good ALT like I should have, I um, sat myself down in the library and just took the uh, Genki textbook and I just went through um, the vocabulary sections and the grammatical sections and more or less just like would go through a section, um, write down the information in my own words, um, take the examples that they had, write those examples, but then write my own examples just to sort of give myself context. Uh, I was very, very bad in the sense that I, I learned hiragana. I was very shoddy with katakana and I just gave a big nope to kanji for a while because I was like, <laughs> you know, that's a lot of upfront work and I want to start using this and making friends and meeting, you know, interesting people and girls and, you know, sort of advancing my speaking skills and so that's what happened so i actually augmented a lot of romaji right so like you know english letters to um to japanese phrases and um if i was in an actual language school then the teachers would definitely be wagging their fingers but no 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 but dame 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 but there was nobody there to do that for me and so i was able to sort of take that bad habit and actually make something really good out of it and i became conversational very 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 quickly and I went down that, you know, route for a while, for a year and a half, two years, until I realized, okay, I'm at um, a plateau. And at that point, I had already moved to, I had moved from Nagano to the city. Um, I was in, I was in Kanagawa, actually, so Yokohama. Um, and I was just hitting a wall with Japanese, and I realized, okay, the only way to advance in this is to, um, Actually, the first thing I did was I read a book called Fluent Forever. Uh, I forget the guy's name, Gabriel something, Weiner perhaps. And it was about the process of learning languages. So it wasn't specifically about how to learn Japanese. Um, it was about how to learn how human beings acquire languages when they're young, when they're babies, but also um, how the process actually isn't that much different when um, when they're adults in, in, you know, in spite of a lot of misinformation floating around that kids are better language learner. It turns out they're not. Um, it just turns out that um, they just have more practice time. Um, interesting. And there, are, and there are certain, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say that's, that's interesting. I wanted to, to back up one step and actually uh, just let everybody know who's listening to this. Um, there's very few people I've met who are as conversationally comfortable and don't take this the wrong way, with as few words in Japanese as you are. Uh, <laughs> meaning you, you, without being able to run like a business presentation in Japanese, uh, you're very comfortable in almost any situation I've ever seen you in. And it's, it's kind of funny because you learned your Japanese. Well, it sounds like you started with the textbook, but you very quickly moved to just conversational Japanese and making friends and mm -hmm. talking with girls and stuff. Your, your particular way of speaking Japanese is super unique for a foreigner. And uh, my wife always gets a kick out of it when she hears you. It's <laughs> just your choice, of, your choice of words and, and uh, how you put it all together. You sound more fluent than you look, I think, is really the, the short and sweet of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think that there's, um, yeah, the, the sources that I drew from and sort of my, my mentors in the Japanese language, like I said, they weren't classic language school teachers. So the people yeah. that taught me Japanese were, let's see, they were um, uh, dudes that hung out a lot on the street and were using Japanese for a very specific purpose, right? Um, and, and 
actually these guys a lot of them were very cerebral and they're very effective they're just you know using their their uh cognitive gifts in uh, you know a more uh, i guess a less productive way depending on who you ask uh, and one of them said to me something along the lines of it's way more important uh depending on what your purposes are that if you want to become really conversational and meet people it's much more important that if you know 50 words in japanese that you are really really fluent with those words versus trying to um um you know learn 3,000 words, but then not really know how to apply them. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah, makes sense. Um, and so, you know, obviously there's a natural cap to that philosophy as well, but it's a good framework, I think, for, for beginning. Um, and it helps you chunk small bits of the language and small contextual sort of um, uh, fields of the language and then get them down really, really well and then move on to things that are more, you know, broad and to be used in different situations. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Um, and then other than that, the people like the, the natives that I was hanging out with were um, like Muay Thai kickboxers and surfers and girls. <laughs> right. And so a bunch of no good degenerates and people who, you know, walk around with black eyes and stuff like that. Um, that, that those were the people who I was sourcing my vocabulary from. And um, and so that's probably why my Japanese is um, it's it's very casual, it's very street, and it's very informal, or at least it was. And then now I'm sort of able to um, speak a lot more kago than I used to be. But that's yeah, no, I, I remember some of our first uh, I'll call them business ventures in Japan, uh, <laughs> making right. specific phone calls, and and I was like the kago guy. I'd have to come over and do the phone call with you, and then you close the deal, and yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was. I would start speaking to them, and you'd be like, "These are not kickboxers. Please give me the phone." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically, basically. Oh man, good times. Um, cool. Actually, how long have you been in Japan now? So we're we're sitting here, August twenty twenty one. My guy, it is nine years, almost to the day. It's it's. It was August eighth, two thousand and twelve, I believe, is when I moved here. All right. So that's frightening. Wow. Yeah, you've yeah. Uh, you've lived, you know, your entire adult life basically in Japan at this point. Yes, I have, um, and and that is, I mean, you know, they call us lifers. I think that I'll be here primarily for a while. Yeah, Japan is home now. Yeah, Japan is home now. At the very least, you know, I'll be here until I. First of all, until the pandemic calms down, I don't have to worry about crossing borders and, 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 and so on and so forth. And second of all, until I lock in proper permanent residence, which is a whole other conversation for a whole other, you know. Uh, oh, yeah. Friends. Yeah. Yeah. Um, OK, give me give me an example of like, you know, coming back to like street Japanese for uh, just a moment, like you're 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 talking with someone and, you know, what what's what is a What's an example of street Japanese that you think would be interesting? And then like, what's the standard version of that sentence? Oh, that's a really good question. Okay, so there's certain words that I use um, that my... So uh, I also want to add that I branched out from just kickboxers and surfers to 
Um, my wife is from Hokkaido, and she is what you call a Motoyan, which uh, is somebody who used to be a Yankee. She says she used to be a Yankee. I think that she still is a Yankee, and a Yankee is sort of a hoodlum. Um, and so all of her friends are just like good time boys and girls, and they just sort of party and work in clubs and, you know, are or were, um, you know, hostesses and, 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 you know, club promoters. And so that's who I'm dealing with. These, these kids, like, will on a regular basis get into street fights and stuff, right? And so these are sort of my peers. And so there's certain words that they use, particularly, well, no, I was about to say particularly the men, but that's not true because the women have mouths that are just as dirty. Um, and so we'll, <laughs> yeah, we'll substitute words. Um, so for example, like instead of hontoni, which is like, really? You would say maji, right? Um, or maji de. Um, and it's not just the word itself, but the intonation. Uh, mm. so it's like, instead of being like, oh, hontoni, which sounds very uh, reserved, honto, you know, um, you're a lot more sort of, I guess, expressive and forthcoming with your, with your, uh, with your sort of vocal projection. So it's like maji instead, which drags out, it draws, it's very rough. Uh, another one that I use instead of saying taberu, which is to eat, I almost exclusively, unless I'm talking with like one of my bosses, I'll say ku, right? Mm. So like, instead of being like, like, sure taberu, like, are you gonna eat that? I'll be like, sure ku. Um, uh, sort of the, the, the first word I think that anybody might learn when they're trying to figure out their own unique voice in Japanese is the first person pronoun or in Japanese, we say ichi ninsho. Mm-hmm. Um, so we all learn, of course, the first thing that we learn is watashi, right? Yeah. I think yeah. most people listening to this probably know what that means. It means I. You can use Watashi in literally any context, and the only um, time that you'll be looked at, you know, in, in a funny way, is if you are clearly a ruffian and you're hanging out with ruffians and you use the word Watashi wa, right? <laughs> um, so um, then, sort of a slightly more casual uh, version of that is Boku, and that's something that little boys use, but also even grown men will use if they're talking to their like quite higher up superiors. Mm-hmm. Uh, and actually, it's not only limited to that because they're uh, my, the boss of, of my part time job right now um, is uh, he's like one of the most like sort of masculine, we said like Otokomai, Otokorashi, like very, very, you know strong dudes that I know the way he speaks is very it's very dandy it's very charming um it's very straight to the point this guy is like a man's man right mm-hmm. and he and the word he uses is boku and I thought that that was really interesting now when I speak to him I say boku because I respect him he's a, he's much older than me you know I'm 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 being conscientious with the way I speak but I asked him one time I said you always use the word boku even when you speak to me and I'm like totally your you know you, I'm I'm your underling or whatever I'm your kohai or your well jugyo you know I'm your employee so you know what's with that and, and he was he just said you know the word that my friends and I choose are, is boku but I mean he's a businessman and I think that he hangs out with a lot of different people like that and so maybe you know that's one reason this is not a gentleman who's getting the street fights and stuff right yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's an interesting thing. Like the um, the the pronoun decision, I guess you could call it. And like, you got to be a little bit flexible uh, based on your situation, especially if you're working in Japan. You have to be very comfortable 
not getting the pattern of like starting a sentence like uh, or whatever at a meeting um, you, you don't really want to refer especially if you're a younger person you don't want to refer to yourself as ore uh, necessarily sure. the business in business context but it's um, you have to be flexible and just like on the fly be able to very easily turn that part of your brain off if you're comfortable saying that and switch to watashi or watakushi you know right uh yeah it's i've i've had i call them like near mishaps like in business meetings and stuff before where oh, man, you're you're on the fly you're saying the thing you're like thinking about what you're gonna say and like the pronoun choice because it's not a natural part of english um can catch you up like catch you off guard right you know you're not very very to, so. not prepared to flip so i've had that happen before not uh never in a situation where i was presenting something to clients or anything but like definitely in conversation with like other co-workers and stuff where it was like it was a little bit weird i, I came out of the conversation I was like oh i wish i didn't say that yeah and i think there is a certain amount of leeway that's given to us especially if um even if we do slip once if we catch it and we go like because it shows that uh, we have an awareness and an understanding of, of the cultural sort of uh, norms and, and, and expectations. And because it's not our first language, we really sort of have, we do have to exert some sort of... Um, yeah, I, I've never apologized because I mess up like that. I, I just kind of roll with it and keep going. Like, I assume whoever I'm talking to understands that, you know, right. not my first language, I'm just trying. Right, I would give right. them the same benefit of the doubt, so I, I always kind of play that game. Yeah. Just complete benefit of the doubt, unless they continue, or unless you know, I continue to say that. I would hope that my boss would take me aside after and be like, "Hey, don't do that." <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> um, oh, you know, actually, sorry, really funny though. Um, similar to that though, like the, you know, what suffix do you attach to people' names and stuff? Like San, Sama, Kun, Chan, whatever. Oh yeah. Um, day one in Japan for me as a company employee at Hitachi, uh, I was being walked around the office like doing the Jiko Shokai with everyone. And I was like super fresh off the boat, had no idea, you know, I could hardly introduce myself fluently. <laughs> like, yeah. I could, you know, if, if it was like a written thing in textbook, whatever, but like in the moment, in the office, in a different country, all of a sudden I was like, you know, flustered and whatever. So they introduced me to this guy and I can tell he's like manager level. And uh, let's just say his name was Tanaka. I was like, oh, Tanaka-sama, those are going to get us. And uh, everybody laughed at me because I called him Tanaka-sama instead of San. And uh, they corrected me on the spot. They're like, no, 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 like within the company, you call people San, not Sama. I was like, oh, interesting. All right, let's, yeah, you know, yeah, your yeah. textbook will never say that, right? So like there's a lot of um, Japanese being a language that changes based on levels of politeness and hierarchy and stuff. Like there's a lot of just, you, you got to live it once uh, to really get it. And, you know, you can come in pretty prepared, but until you have that experience, it's all just textbook. Exactly. And, and um, one of the things that I read in this book, Fluent Forever, was that it's not obviously you can sit down and memorize a bunch of rules and words and so on and so forth. You, you might even be able to use those things in mock conversations. But the more actual real life experiences that you have to tie um, your knowledge to like sort of, yeah, like empirical uh, mm -hmm. you know, experiences and so on and so forth. Um, that's where the deep learning really happens. And so when the next time you go to call somebody San or Sama, that part of your brain that had that experience in that company will light up and sort of the, like- The fight or flight <laughs> part of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah more yeah. Of, I mean, it's, it's more the learning center, but, but yeah. Yeah, the, uh, you know, like what I used to do when I was really, before I moved to Japan to, to work, I was a student for a year and stuff and I was learning Japanese. And I would go around 
And I put myself in situations where I like, I knew the answer of the question I was going to ask. And I would ask uh, specifically like people in service positions to, you know, point me like, hey, where's the washroom? Or hey, where's this building? Or where do I find this piece of clothing at this store or whatever? And I, if I knew the answer ahead of time and then I asked the question, you know, I could generally piece together what they were saying. And the answer could be slightly different 10 times. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's all leading to, to the same answer. And it was, um, that was kind of like my technique of like just getting used to, you know, putting out questions and getting lots of different answers that are basically the same thing, but said differently. That was really a tricky part. It was like quite nerve wracking when you would uh, unleash the textbook question to somebody and they would answer in a non-textbook way. <laughs> You're like, I don't know what you just said. <laughs> right. Yeah, and they say that, right? Like, like, um, like people who have lived in in Japan for a, lo- a little while will, will be like, "Look, you you're gonna learn what it says to do in the textbook, and then you know you're gonna go and use it in the wild." But the problem is, is that they actually speak back to you, and so you got to deal with that too, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so, and also, um, just to add in, uh, my primary first person sort of pronoun that I use is much like yourself, "ore," which is the I guess it's the roughest of, of all of the the masculine uh, personal pronouns. Um, and there's an equivalent for women, and that's Uchi. So my wife, who is in fact a Yankee, despite what she says of being like a former Yankee, uh, uses the word Uchi. Um, oh. And they, yeah, yeah, and a step above that. Is that, that rough? That. I didn't know that. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have put that together. Yeah, you wouldn't say it's your, she never, she never uses it with her senpai. Okay, interesting. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're challenging assumptions I had. All right, <laughs> learning new stuff every day. Yeah, I don't think it's quite as rude as ore, but in the same way, if you were, if she was um, uh, having a conversation with her boss and she used the word uchi, then her boss might sort of, sort of look down on her and, and have an awareness that she doesn't have, you know, a social grace that she should. So yeah. in place of that, a slightly more formal, formal version of that would be atashi, which is something that women use. Mm-hmm. So they drop yeah, the Yeah, it's just water. the software saying wa, watashi. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's funny, like there's so many different ways of saying me or myself or I in Japanese. Uh, mm-hmm. Ware is... Uh, oh, I didn't go, even think of that one. Yeah, go old, go sesha in samurai movies. <laughs> what is it? Say it again? Sesha. No kidding. Yeah, it's how like samurai would say me or I. Um, old men will say washi, right? So that's, oh yeah, washi. Oh, that's right. They do say that. Yeah, I, yeah. I asked somebody about that one time. I was like, especially yeah, again when I was like brand new and I was like drinking with like uh, coworkers and stuff from Hitachi. I was like, why? You know what? What? What's up with this like washi? I've never heard that. I've never saw it in a textbook before, and I've heard it a bunch. And uh, he kind of laughed. He's like, yeah, I don't say that. <laughs> Just, let them continue to say it, but it's it's kind of like dying out. They'll, they'll yeah, come right. It was once, say washi. Right. It was once um, sort of a, uh, a a more commonplace way to a more sort of trend, not trendy, I guess, for lack of a better word, and more normal way to say watashi, right? Yeah. A colloquialism, but yeah, it's definitely what is it from even before the Showa era? I probably that Taisho. Yeah. No, if you want to get laughed at though, or like uh, you know, crack a joke in in your f- group of friends, that's a good way to do it. If <laughs> you're really non sequitur. Yeah, yeah. What? Uh, here's one more, just to add one more that anybody can use in any situation, and it's completely um, 
um, uh, polite is Jibun, which means myself. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, it's slightly different um, grammatically, right? Like Jibun and Watashi is, I would say that's different from the grammar perspective, but mm -hmm. yeah, Jibun no Hazoku. Yeah, no, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's a substitute for Watashi. I mean, quite, um, it's quite different. But hey, you know, I don't know. like you said, grammatically it's very different. But I, I was actually told by several people that you are you are able to say that it, it does sound weird. Like I tried to yeah. use it for a while because I don't like saying boku, right? Because yeah. I don't like sounding childish. And eventually, I just gave up and went to boku because it was just like it's a hard. It's kind of a hard word to say. It's a hard word to substitute for watashi. Um, but some people I have heard and seen do do say it, right? Interesting. Uh, you know, the tough part is not the, the like self-referring pronouns, but it's like uh, second-person pronouns for like you. You um, is a really yeah. touchy topic in Japanese. Like you, you know. So again, you'll learn in the textbook. Like, anata, anata wa, anata mo namai wa nandeska. And then you come to Japan, like thinking I can just talk to everybody like anata. It's actually quite rude to like talk to somebody as anata. Very. Uh, depending on the context. Depending on the context. And so when that was explained to me, I was like, well. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell do I do? They're like, oh, you have to use their name. I'm like, okay, so what, what do I do in a situation like 90% of the time I'm out in public and I don't know the name of the person I'm talking to? Like, mm -hmm. you know, what's the what's the fallback for that? And uh, there's a couple different ones. Like the one that I kind of fell into using uh, was Sachira. So literally means like over there. Uh, right. So you could literally say to somebody like Sachira, uh, I don't know, it means what are you doing? But like, it sounds kind of weird for me to say, but I've, I've found that that's the least um or it's the most neutral i suppose i've right. also heard people say otaku which has a very different meaning if it's a noun uh really pronoun yeah so otaku being like politely i don't know your house ah like like sort of maybe the equivalent in english of saying how about your side something like yeah that. yeah 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 yeah, but yeah, I never felt comfortable calling somebody otaku, like yeah, as a pronoun. Our association is somebody with you know bad skin and, and, and a Cheeto diet. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I had a thought about second person pronouns, and it's slipping my mind now. But uh, oh, oh, I mean, I just wanted to add that when I say I sometimes will use sochira as well when I'm being really, really polite. And, you know, because this is only an audio recording, you know, you can't really see it, but I always like turn my hand so that the palm is facing up. And he's like so proffering his hand to the camera right now. Yeah, yeah, put my fingers together and sort of like offer my hand. So, you know, so it's like it goes, it goes uh, hand in hand for, you know, no pun intended. Again, for those, those of you who aren't seeing the same video screen that I am, uh, this is a man wearing a white beater with tattoos on his arms. <laughs> <laughs> and a man bun uh trying to be you know polite and turn his hand up and, and say you know I, I could just imagine the the context i'd love to be a fly on the wall and watch this happen <laughs> <laughs> yeah people are surprised when i open them out an episode benji goes to immigration <laughs> right especially nowadays because in out of necessity i have sort of um uh learned a lot more kago and actually um uh, at my part-time because we're like all remote now from time to time I'll have to go into the office I'll be the only one there and I'm actually fielding phone calls from like customers yeah right yeah. so I'm learning words like, I mean this is beyond the scope of this conversation like 
Ukagao instead of Kiku. Yeah, definitely. And and um, yeah, yeah. What was yeah, that one? You, have you ever had to say that one out loud? That was that was one of the first ones. So, week one in Hitachi again, fresh in the country. They literally put the department phone on my desk and they're like, "Kate, you're in charge of the phone calls." And I was oh, like, "What?" That, that is like some next level stuff. That's deep um, end stuff. Yeah, taking messages. The phrase is, and I'm gonna mess this up because it's been a long time since I had to say it. Kodengo or yeah, kodengo o ukitama era. Kodengo o ukitama warimashoka. So I'm sure I've heard verb. that, but you're gonna have to. What does it mean? Yeah, that is that is a hell of a verb. Yeah. Okay, What's the translation of it? Shall I take a message? Damn, that's yeah. just evil. Yeah, it was bad. I'm probably saying it wrong even today. I think they probably just let me like slip with that because you're not gonna fix that with this guy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> just let it go. Like, hey, I I filled that phone and I got like relatively comfortable with it over the course of a year and uh, I was taking messages and passing the right people. It was always funny though like uh, especially when people phone into a Japanese company and like let's say you've got 300 people in your head office and mm -hmm. you're like okay who's this message for and they're like Suzuki and I'm looking around like there's 24 Suzuki's walking around <laughs> with their sad, <laughs> sad face. I have no idea who this is going to. <laughs> Guess what? Mass mail all Suzuki they're all getting this, this message. <laughs> Suzuki Zangyo sama. <laughs> oh, sometimes. Uh, so, all right. Well, what do you uh, what are you doing these days for for Japanese study? Are you actually actively pursuing any of it, or is it just kind of like as need be? Do you ever set aside dedicated time to to study new things? It's a sensitive subject. You know, like, okay. Well, like, I guess probably you know people are curious. It's there's a lot of conversation about like the first you know. The year leading up to living in Japan, and then like your first few years in the country and learning the language, there's not so much of like the now you've been there for nine years. What's it like? Um, okay, so to answer the first part of the question is um, necessarily around the time that you and I met, I realized that I had to completely shift gears from all of the things that I was doing and enjoying to work on new things to sort of create new opportunities. So specifically, mm -hmm. I was kickboxing regularly. Um, my main sort of like daytime pursuit of mastery was Japanese. Uh, and at that point, I had learned the radicals. Uh, I had learned the system for learning kanji, which some people use Wani Kani. I was just using kanji damage because it was vulgar like me. Um, and so I was on my way to you know, I had I learned how to sort of program my own Anki deck and I was using space repetition to sort of get down the, um, the kanji. And I also applied a lot of what I learned in that book, Fluent Forever, which I cannot recommend enough. Um, but use our Amazon link below. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Affiliate, and we are not going to make any profit off of this specific affiliate link. Um, so you should click it anyway. Um, and I was in this really weird position where I, I know that I, I knew that I needed to continue learning and that I wanted to, and it, it was a priority, but unfortunately it was like, I just had to shift gears because I had to accommodate another pursuit, which was the, you know, the start of being 27 and not wanting to be in the English teaching cycle, you know, for the rest of my life and learning how to, you know, make money and, and wade into a lot of the stuff that, that you do and that you started to help me with, right? Yeah. Uh, getting clients and, and sort of also 
because I had gone to school for an with an illustration, or I graduated with an illustration degree and some background in design. I was like, well, illustration doesn't really make money, but design does, and I don't hate doing it, so I have to learn this from the ground up, more or less. And yeah. so that was the last time that I studied seriously. But uh, over the years, I have had, um, I've ran into trouble, especially as a freelancer with things like paying my taxes, right? And so- Oh, yes, you have. Yes, I have. And we should, uh, <laughs> that is the, whole... that's the genesis of a whole series of conversations and, and articles. Uh, actually, uh, you know, I'm going to just segue for one second here. Uh, sure. To your credit, you put a lot of that information, like as you learned it, to good use, and you have a series of awesome tax information articles on resupress.com yeah. uh, for the personal finance section. You are the personal finance section because you've lived all the mistakes, so to speak. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I am a DGEN. Please do not make my mistakes. Yeah. You're, you're better now. You're better now. Yeah. But yeah, I think, um, you know, even in those articles, you talked about some of the tax terminology that you had to learn to be able to like file properly and backfile and fix problems and all that stuff. And that's, it's useful. It's part of living life as an adult in your chosen country. Um, like, you know, I'm Canadian. I can't live in Canada without knowing tax terms uh, mm -hmm. when it comes to tax time. Like I have to be able to, um, you know, file a return and get my refund and these things and, and understand what that all means and what are brackets. and not typical terminology, especially if you're just learning a language from scratch. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, it's, it's, I guess that is kind of the next step of like, you know, living in Japan and learning Japanese long-term is like those terms that pertain to really niche uh, situations that you don't experience in the first year or two. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and, and along the same lines, uh, one of the gems that I, that I picked up over the years, probably from that very book I was talking about was that, <clears throat> you know, People who are native or close to native actually acquire something ridiculous like 70% of, of, of the vocabulary of our language through reading, which is why, one of the reasons why school is so necessary, right? It's not necessarily that you need to go and learn about the history of your country, especially because, you know, in most textbooks it's skewed anyway. It's that in doing so, you absorb a whole lot of different vocabulary and background for a whole lot of different subjects. And of course, that 30% that you learn in, you know, Nichijou Kaiwa, like daily conversation, that's the stuff that you use mostly anyway. So if you get that down, you'll be more than, you know, generally okay. But if you want to take it from like being fluent and knowing how to make friends in a bar to like being able to like run a business here and being able to like have an actual life and design your life the way you want, um, you have to read, you have to read novels, you have to read newspapers, you have to read scientific articles and you can't do any of that without kanji. Yep. Oh yeah, absolutely. So segueing into the kanji poster product <laughs> sold yeah. by Resupress, resupress.com slash kanji poster. Um, yeah, no, it's a, it, it's a definite necessity. I've always like, I was lucky because I enjoyed studying kanji. I just kind of got pleasure out of sitting down and repetitively writing characters over and over until they stuck. Mm -hmm. So that was, that was good. But yeah, it's, um, it's a bit of a mountain of a task I and mean, it can be, mm -hmm. feel kind of intimidating, but hugely, hugely necessary for basic literacy and fluency in this country. Right. You're setting up, um, you know, learning the infrastructure of how to learn kanji and starting with the radicals and so on and so forth is a bit. And, and again, learning about space repetition and how to sort of apply it. Uh, that's a bit of, you know, an undertaking, but, um, but once you do that, uh, it's just about 
putting in the countless hours. And a lot of those hours are just, I mean, the kanji doesn't necessarily get more difficult uh, yeah. if you learn how to learn kanji. It's just a matter of like, do you have literally, you know, four hours a week for two to three years straight or however, you know, long that you have and however long you need to study uh, to, to dedicate to it. And so that's the question. Yeah, well, and that's exactly it. It's just, it's a time thing, and that gets more difficult the older you get, too, so. Yeah, uh, moment of sad silence. <laughs> Do it best. Well, listen, man, I don't want to take up too much of your time. I appreciate you uh, setting aside a little bit of time to talk to us today about uh, learning Japanese, and I think we'll actually have to uh, get you back on the show at some point and talk about your tax adventures, because people are going to want to know about that. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Uh, anyway, well, yeah, awesome. So it was a pleasure. And yeah, yeah maybe yeah. next time I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about like actually what my street Japanese looks like as well. So we'll have two very, very different topics to talk about in the same podcast. There we go. Perfect. All right, man. Well, take it easy and we'll talk soon. All right. Thanks, brother. <laughs>